Welcome to the Straw Hat Social Club, a One Piece recap show. I'm Todd, the One Piece expert, which is a made-up title. It just means I've read the manga, and I'm joined by someone who is completely new to One Piece, the lovely and talented Becca. Hi. Hello. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Join us today as we travel up Reverse Mountain, which covers episodes 61 through 63 of the One Piece anime and chapters 101 through 105 of the manga. So I did want to point out first thing. There is a filler arc right before this one called the Warship Island arc, which covers episodes 54 through 61. We are skipping the filler arcs for this. Um, But it's worth pointing out that episode 61 is kind of like half and half. Like the first half was the the end of the filler arc and then it bleeds over it, which I I really don't like that. (laughs) It makes it difficult to skip these arcs when... You know, part of them are part of the main series. Like, if we started with 62, we'd miss the beginning here. Yeah. Um, it's also kind of annoying. We're, we're going to get into this when we get into the episode. But there is this part where they kind of explain the comm belt, which I don't even know if you're familiar with what that means. I, I think I only have context from watching the first time through. Yeah, in the manga, there's like a whole sequence that explains the comm belt because we should mention this this arc it's like basically two and a half episodes it's very short so this is gonna be a very light episode but it's a good opportunity to go more in depth about like the grand line the log pose the comm belt like all these topics in one piece that are very important to understanding the journey that's coming and it feels like they're really using this to set all that up since the next saga is the first saga that's on the Grand Line. So we'll talk about all that. But with the Combell, it's a little annoying because they actually took this part from the manga and they inserted it into the filler arc. So if you don't watch the filler, you miss this whole little bit of context. I really hope they don't do more of that in the future because it just makes this more confusing. Because mm-hmm. even watching it, I was like, well, wait a minute, they skipped that part. And I had to find out later from reading that it was in the filler arc. Okay. So I'll explain what happens here, but I don't know. It's it's going to be annoying to navigate. I think from what I've heard, there are other anime series that have a lot more filler. Like, I guess we're lucky that One Piece doesn't have that much filler, and it tends to be, like, really condensed. But it's just one of those things with a big series like this, you kind of have to just accept, for better or worse, just because of the nature of production, you know? Mm. But I don't know. Did you have any thoughts about anything before we <laughs> start the episode. I, don't I know. mean, I don't. I'm not a huge fan of this filler arc stuff. Yeah, it's but... it's kind of confusing, but we might as well just get right into the episode. So, if we're gonna quickly talk about the the com belt scene that was skipped in the main anime. Um, This arc does start with them heading toward a storm where there's a lighthouse. It's pointing to Reverse Mountain. Nami, as usual, is the one that's like explaining this kind of exposition because nobody else knows what the fuck they're doing. And she explains that the lighthouse is pointing to the entrance to the Grand Line. And she just knows these stories about how you're supposed to go up a mountain to go into the Grand Line, which is already like very cryptic and really helps with the 
the mystery and the danger of the Grand Line. Because you hear about how people who who enter the Grand Line, they enter it like half dead. You don't really know what that means, but this does sound like kind of dangerous, you know? Mm-hmm. But the, the Com Belt, so there, there, there are things about uh, One Piece and the geography and everything that when you really think about it, the logic doesn't make a ton of sense, but it seems to be there for like storytelling reasons. Because the Grand Line, it's it's a strip of ocean that goes across the middle of the world. So you'd kind of think, well, why don't you just sail into it? Like, why is that? <laughs> it's not like there's land separating you. And the answer to that is the Com Belt. It's basically a strip of ocean that's on both sides of the Grand Line, kind of hemming it in. And the Com Belt is named that way because there's no wind, no currents or anything. So you're kind of dead in the water. But more than that, they're used as a breeding ground for the sea kings, like those giant uh, underwater creatures, which also there are some weird like translation differences I noticed in this arc. One of them in the anime we're watching, they're called sea kings. In the official manga, they're called Neptunians, which is actually oh. like pretty badass. I yeah, actually think I, I like prefer that. that. <laughs> yeah. But the Combelt's like a breeding ground for them. So it's like full of them so in the manga it's like a funny scene where they accidentally drift into it and they're like oh the storm's gone like it's all nice and calm so they're happy and nami's the one freaking out like oh shit you need to get on the oars we have to go back (laughs) and it's just this quick scene where suddenly all these sea kings rise up out of the ocean and they're basically like the merry-go is like a speck compared to them because they're so big which is a cool scene and it like it sets up you know, something that One Piece is so good at, like the mystery and the danger of the ocean in this world. So they very quickly like panic and make their way back into the regular ocean. But it shows you why it's not so easy to just sail on in there that you kind of have to use the official route at like Reverse Mountain. Like I said, I think this was inserted into the filler arc here. So we missed it in the anime, but it's worth explaining just so you understand. When we get into the actual anime, they're heading toward the storm, um, trying to find the entrance. And as they get closer, they see there's like a series of arches leading up the mountain. And sure enough, the water is like flowing upwards into the sky, which is a pretty crazy picture, a very crazy image. Mm-hmm. You know, I did. I like this idea because because the way it's set up is supposedly at the red line which is this big strip of land down the middle. Each of the four oceans feed into this mountain and they have these currents going up to the top and then there's like a big slide going down into the Grand Line. Again, it's something really doesn't make any <laughs> logical sense. Um, they try their best to explain how the currents and everything work. It doesn't matter. It's I a mean, cool image. Our main character is a rubber man. So True. I think <laughs> I think we're good on... You're, you're yeah. right about that. Yeah. <laughs> I guess devil fruits are kind of fantastical too. Yeah. (laughs) It's just funny when series use things like this where they try to come up with like logical explanations for why this is happening. And you kind of have to just be like, sure, (laughs) (laughs) whatever. It's cool. Who cares? But it does create this like really impressive image, you know, that like if you're entering the Grand Line, it can't just be like, oh, you go through a gate and you're there. Like this really sets it up as being something really fantastic and dangerous and you 
really have to be prepared. Like, could you imagine if they were still in their little boat from the beginning? <laughs> like, they would never survive this. Yeah, no. But yeah, there's all these archways that are set up, and Nami reveals that if they miss this entrance, they're just going to get dashed into the rocks. So it's like very dangerous stakes from the get-go. Usopp is like on the rudder trying to line them up, and the currents are so strong in the storm that the rudder snaps, and they're all freaking out. So as they're getting ready to crash, of course, Luffy jumps out there, inflates himself into a balloon, and like protects them from hitting the archway. It's also cool that when he's like falling in the ocean, Zoro being mm -hmm. the bro that he always <laughs> is, like puts his hand out, and Luffy grabs it, and he pulls him back in the ship, showing that like diehard loyalty mm -hmm. that Zoro always has. But it's cool because as they're racing up this current, which is just like a giant water slide from like a theme park, basically, um, they notice that like the red line is stretching up into the clouds and it's like very, very massive and epic. It's like a very distinct image um, that I think is kind of iconic in the series. But I think like we said, it is cool that it shows why the Grand Line is so dangerous and so isolated because getting in and out is such an ordeal that I think not everybody can do. Like you really have to be prepared for it it's almost like in a rpg you know you have to be like a certain level to get past this point because your your average crew is not gonna survive this but as they're racing up and it's the excitement's building and everything uh all of a sudden a mysterious old man appears on the the side of their oh, ship God. <laughs> yeah, i forgot about this <laughs> And is like very seriously talking to them and they're like, oh shit, it's this guy. And we were just like, what the fuck is going <laughs> on? And it was uh, a weird remnant of that filler arc. I guess this is a character yeah. from that who pops up here. It's so weird and random, especially if you don't watch the filler. It just feels very unnecessary. And then he just gets like kicked off the boat and they're just like, yeah. all right, anyway. <laughs> it's very throwaway. Yeah. That was strange. It was very confusing for us. Yeah. But back on track, after that, we get a, a, a scene that I liked a lot. It's because when they when they break through the cloud cover and you see, like, the water starting mm -hmm. to freeze and it's, like, this really beautiful moment. And when they start to make their way down, there's this shot of, like, Luffy sitting on the figurehead at the front of the ship and you see the Grand Line, like, stretching in front of them and it just looks so epic and everyone's, like, being reminded of why they're here and the journey they're on and everything. It just feels like this perfect beginning to this big adventure. Because we mentioned the East Blue Saga is like the prologue that's building up to the Grand Line adventures. And this felt like such a, a perfect way to kick things off with this saga. But of course, it doesn't take long. As they're like overjoyed and, and heading down toward the Grand Line, they notice something seems to be standing in their way. Uh, they they say, like, it looks like there's a mountain that's blocking their path as they're heading down. And isn't, like, Nami confused? She's like, no, there's not a mountain. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah. And they're hearing this, like, strange sound that they're kind of just brushing off as being, like, the water or the wind or something. And this is when we're introduced to uh, another major important character Laboon, the island whale who's blocking their path. I did want to say real quick, I love the sound effects they use for Laboon. They feel like they feel like real whale sounds. Like I don't know that for sure if that's what they are, <laughs> but
but it sounds like it. It does sound like it. I liked it too. Yeah, and it's it makes sense that they're like so loud and booming. It's one of the things that the anime is able to do so well because in the manga they try to portray these things, but it's totally different when you have that sound like deafening in your ears. But as they're heading down there, of course, everybody's freaking out. Luffy just kind of disappears as they're all trying to figure out what to do, trying to turn the boat. And Luffy's idea is to fire a cannon directly <laughs> at it to try and stop them, which actually works. It's It slows them down. It's funny because it's one of those like rare moments yeah. where Luffy's logic like makes sense and works, <laughs> um, but it does break the figurehead at the front of the ship, you remember? Mm -hmm. And Luffy is like pissed about that. <laughs> so as they're like cruising around looking at this giant eyeball that's like bigger than their ship, Luffy just punches him like straight in the <laughs> eye for breaking their ship, which of course makes everyone else just freak out. But I did think it's funny how like that is Luffy's character. Like he's just ready to fight anything. <laughs> like remember Momu in Arlong yeah. Park? How when Momu's trying to take their food, Luffy's yeah. just like, get the fuck out of here and just like beats the <laughs> shit out of this the sea cow instantly. No different with a, a giant whale. But as you might expect, feeling very much like Moby Dick or Pinocchio with the giant whales, mm -hmm. uh, the whale laboon just proceeds to swallow the entire ship instantly in response and luffy is able to escape by stretching out and he grabs onto like his tooth or something and swings himself up on top as the rest of the ship is swallowed i did think this was like we get these these random like emotional moments where luffy is like beating on the top of the whale's head and saying like I'm I'm getting ready to go on an adventure with all my crew you got to let them go and he's like clearly like very yeah. upset by that as the whale starts submerging itself and just before it goes under the water luffy notices there's like a weird little hatch that looks like man-made on the top were there anything any thoughts in your head when you saw this about like what this could be i thought it was just a silly detail because yeah. i mean I, I think both times watching this through even the first time watching i knew they were going to be fine like, oh, yeah, I, I knew it was going to be okay, and Luffy was going to find a way to get in there. They were going to find a way to get out. But I think having a little, like, door on this whale is just really funny. Yeah. It's funny because it, kind of, it is kind of convenient. There's, like, <laughs> a little door there, but this is also, like, One Piece logic. is like everything is so silly and over the top. Yeah. It's like, of course. Yeah, it doesn't bother me There's a all. door into the whale, sure. Yeah. Go for it. I thought he was going to wind up like slipping down his blowhole or something. But That's what I thought at first, too. <laughs> yeah, but it makes sense later. <laughs> Meanwhile, we cut back to the ship inside of Laboon's stomach, and they immediately realize like they are surrounded by the sky. <laughs> and it seems to be very bright and everything. It's like very confusing right off the bat. Um, they also notice there's like a little island with a house just floating in here. And before they have time to really process it, a giant squid, like a Neptunian squid, pops up to attack them and is instantly harpooned by this house and dragged away. And this is how we get introduced to uh, the other big character that's introduced in this arc, Crocus. What were your thoughts about the character design? Because this is definitely a One Piece character oh. design here. Oh, definitely. I mean, it's, it's really silly. Like, 
I think yeah. I think whenever Oda is trying to put together like what these characters should feel like and everything, his character design always shines through because it the immediate immediately when you see the character, you're not really c- so confused as to what it might be. You're just like in Oda logic, and you're like, okay, I'm here. Yeah, and I think they even call out that his hair is like flower petals and <laughs> ready to joke about that. Yeah. The introduction of this character, I do think, is is super funny because well, a crocus also is a flower. It's oh, a type of flower. Well, yeah. <laughs> I guess you would know that better than me. That makes sense, though. Operating on many different levels. But... Yeah. But his, I thought his introduction is super funny because like Sanji, of course, is like ready to fight right away. Zoro, funnily enough, is like being very polite and nice, <laughs> um, but Crocus is like so weird and cryptic with the back and forth because he seems like all foreboding but all his responses are like very silly yeah which just winds up making zoro like more and more angry hey you want to fight we'll fight we got cannons back here you bastard you try it and someone's going to die (laughs) yeah and who's that? Me, of course. Excuse me! You? He's up there, but I thought that's super funny. But he he reveals that he is kind of a caretaker. We get more detail about this later. But he's just kind of hanging out, living inside the whale, taking care of him. He painted the inside of its stomach, however that makes sense, to look <laughs> like the sky and everything, and reveals that they are floating in stomach acid, which... I remember when I was first reading this, there there are moments like this where I started feeling like super anxious because it's like, oh my God, it's going to burn through their ship. Like they can't <laughs> stay here for very long. And the story doesn't really seem to take a lot of care about that. Like people are falling in the stomach acid yeah. and it doesn't matter and all that. But I thought that was a funny detail. And they show like underneath his, his island, it's basically like this man-made thing that's covered in metal to protect it from that. I mean, um, I guess technically, if we want to get real with it, stomach acid would take a little bit to break down, so probably. you have a little bit of a leeway. But how much do you know about whale stomach acid? I literally know nothing. Uh, interesting. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's at this point that everything starts like rocking around and getting really crazy in there, and we get a little bit of exposition because Crocus tells him about how the whale... It seems like a daily thing that he starts ramming his head into the red line over and over. And that explains why he has all these giant scars on the top of his head that we saw earlier. Um, They don't really explain why yet, but it does feel like kind of tragic right out the gate. And I think Crocus kind of heads off to do something about this. But meanwhile, we see that Luffy, after going through the hatch, he's inside of these weird like man-made structures inside the whale. And he's like very confused. And when it starts banging around, he just starts getting flung all over the place. And it's around here we get introduced to uh, two new characters who are very cryptically named Mr. Nine and Miss Wednesday, who are like, they feel like very stereotypical like Rocky and Bullwinkle villains, you know, who are kind of twiddling their fingers like, ah, yes, we need to kill this whale and take the meat back (laughs) like very nefarious you know and very quickly like luffy is ping-ponged right into them and knocks them all straight out into the stomach acid did you have any uh kind of first impressions of these 
random characters right here. I mean, not really. Kind of long for the ride here to see yeah. what's going on. Just more weird One yeah. Piece characters. <laughs> As they're being rescued by the crew in the merry-go, this is when we see Crocus. He goes up to like this comically large syringe full of tranquilizer and injects it into Laboon to kind of calm him down. So I think this is when we start getting a feel that maybe all these weird structures have been built by him for the purpose of caring for this massive whale. I don't know about you, but I was kind of ready for the tragic One Piece backstory that was inevitably going to come. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Before we get to that, I mean, these these figures, I think like as soon as they're rescued, they're like right back at it, like ready to shoot cannonballs at the inside of the whale to take it out. And Crocus comes out and he winds up blocking the cannonballs with his body. He is really committed to caring for this whale. Like he's putting his own life on the line to do it. And the the funny aftermath of this, it shows how Luffy is so driven by just like reflex like there's a moment you see like this big brain thing where he's running calculations and you could see the gears turning in his head before he just punches both of them because he's thinking about like they're attacking this whale the old guy is trying to protect the whale so these guys must be bad guys and just that's all it takes for him very luffy i mean the same thing happens with crocus like when crocus sees luffy's reaction i guess it kind of shows him that like okay maybe these pirates here aren't such bad people so he's willing, once they're back on his island, to give us the tragic backstory. <laughs> so what we learn is 50 years ago, this group of pirates came from the West Blue with this little baby whale trailing behind them. It's revealed to be an island whale, which is a pretty fitting term i guess for the species but at the time he's just a little baby and they show up at the lighthouse their ship's all damaged from reverse mountain which is probably very common so while they're hanging out there getting their ship repaired and just partying and everything they reveal to crocus like they're not going to be able to take laboon with them on their journey so they want crocus to take care of him for like the next two or three years while they no big deal sail the grand line come back and reunite with him but of course the tragedy is this happened 50 years ago and since then crocus he found out somehow that they had left the grand line and the whale laboon is is left behind and even though he tells laboon about the fact they're not coming back laboon just can't hear it and that's why he keeps banging himself up against the red line it's like out of anguish for um, his shipmates that he misses is very sad yeah. very touching i don't know how you felt about this whole thing well i mean yes it's very sad like extremely sad but i think this is so well written just because like he's self-harming himself and he's doing this out of you know his trauma so it's like this is the only way this poor whale knows how to cope it's just sad yeah it's very sad yeah, I think one of the things that this illustrates really well is, you know, we've been talking ad nauseum about the dangers of the Grand Line, how difficult not only to traverse it is, but just getting in and out of it is so tough. 
I like the idea that this pirate crew, they seem like really good natured. You can imagine the similarities to a crew like the Straw Hats where they're just out there looking for adventure. You know, they're not up to anything nefarious or anything. And it's the reality of what the Grand Line does to you that this this crew wasn't able to cut it out here. And you can only imagine what they've been through and what the actual end result is if they even survived, you know. But it shows you this this idea that the Straw Hats, obviously, they're the main characters. We know they're going to pull through, you know, eventually. That's just how this goes. But I like seeing this glimpse at the possible outcomes for, like, other similar pirate crews who don't make it. I think it's a good way to demonstrate that and show, like, the dangers of what's ahead of them. But back in the present... Crocus frees them from the stomach. He shows there's like this giant set of doors, like very mm-hmm. conveniently, that somehow just takes them right out of his stomach. Uh, not sure how that worked, but it is funny that when they come out, they hear the backstory, they get to the lighthouse and are ready to like repair and get everything back in order. Luffy immediately starts running up the uh, side of Laboon with like the mast of their ship, and the other people are looking at him like, what is he up to? Is that our mask? Like, wait, what's going on? And he runs all the way up to the top and slams the mask down into like a bloody open wound on the whale's head. And it turns in this whole fight where they're like going back and forth, attacking each other. This is another one. I I feel like early One Piece has a lot of these, these scenes where Luffy is doing things where as a reader, I'm just like, I have no idea what he's doing right now. Like, I, I, I haven't yet figured out the Luffy logic that exists in the series. It's just like, Luffy, why the fuck? You just heard this tragic backstory. Why are you attacking this poor whale? Yeah, I didn't understand that either, so. Okay. As long as it's not just me going over my head. But, of course, we know we know our boy Luffy. We know he's a, he's a good boy. So, sure enough. He's just a little slow. (laughs) Well, he just, it's like I said, he's got Luffy logic. You know, it's just how it goes. But it is one of the great things about his character, the way he's able to make friends with people, Mm -hmm. like, instantly. Like, we saw with Chow Chow, another animal character. Chow Chow bit him on the face the Mm -hmm. first time they meet. And by the end of that arc, they're, like, best friends, (laughs) you know. This is another one where they're fighting. And there's a certain point where Luffy is just kind of like, all right, that was a pretty good fight, huh? Like, you really, you gave it to me, but I really fucked you up too, right? And he's like, listen, I got to go, but I'm going to be back so we can finish this fight because right now it's a draw. <laughs> and it starts to kind of, you start to understand, like he's giving Laboon something else to aspire toward and hope for. It does feel a little tragic if the Straw Hats like also get oh, obliterated God, at yeah. some point. But Luffy, you know, we've shown he has so much faith in himself that he doesn't think that's going to happen. Yeah. He's definitely coming back. He's a man of his word. So he winds up drawing a contract on Laboon's head, which is another fantastic Luffy masterpiece, um, like their pirate logo yeah. done Luffy style. And he tells him like, look, you better not bash your head against the wall anymore you're gonna you know mess up our contract that's so sweet yeah so that's what i'm saying that's the luffy logic (laughs) that's when it makes sense and it's like okay of course that's that's nice and like just like that it's like luffy and laboon are like best friends yeah which is how it goes with him 
But now we go to the side and we spend a little more time with Mr. Nine and Miss Wednesday, who I can't remember what happens in the anime. I think in the manga, after all this, they basically just like chuck them off the boat. And they're just like, ah, we'll see you later, <laughs> you know, very unceremoniously. But they're floating in the water again, like very nefariously trying to come up with a new plan to head home to uh, Whiskey Peak, which is where they say they're from. And then come back and come after Laboon again. I think the only thing we're really told is they have a lot of people there who are depending on the meat from him. So I don't know what you were thinking at this point. If because because it, it seems like even though they're like coded as being very evil, there is something to their goal here. If they're trying to help their people, like what were you thinking about all this? Did you think that maybe there was some good intention here or did you just not trust them? Well, if I'm going back to Oda logic, Oda character design. Sure. There are like, I can tell that there's like a little bit more to this to this character. I think especially Miss Wednesday. Yeah. Because she, it's not like she looks scary or creepy. It's like this neutral thing. So I don't know. Just speaking from character design, I felt like there was more there. Yeah. yeah the other guy does look very strange. Didn't he have like a little yeah. crown on and stuff? Yeah, he's a little strange. Very, very weird. <laughs> I, I did want to point out there's a weird translation thing here. There's actually a couple things that just made me kind of scratch my head. Uh, I noticed in the manga, there is some weird like offhanded comments about like the ethics of whale hunting, which I guess would be a very culturally significant thing in Japan. The anime just like washes over all that and doesn't oh. really mention it. Of course. Um, which, yeah, sure. But I thought that was uh, that was just a kind of funny detail. Oda loves our environment. So. Yeah. I mean, no surprise that yeah. we're going to get some left wing yeah. little talking points sprinkled in here. But there is like a random moment where we see someone come flying in as they're sitting and talking about this and it is a vulture with an otter on its back who they immediately get very scared of they refer to them as the unluckies and call them mr 13 and miss friday and these unluckies they're like screaming that like oh no we didn't fail it's not our fault we're gonna try again as the unluckies like chuck a bomb at them i remember reading this confuse the hell out of me but again it's like weird one piece stuff i don't know what you were thinking when this happened i mean uh, there i don't know what to think <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think you kind of have to just trust like okay this will make sense later sure a vulture with an otter throwing bombs okay but the other thing that happens here is they realize they're missing their log pose which we don't really know what that is yet but it's at that moment we see that like luffy found this weird little bracelet thing and that gives us some uh some exposition because crocus explains to them what the log pose is i did think the interesting thing here is nami seems to always know like everything especially mm -hmm. when it comes to navigation but this is like the first time where she has no idea what this is because she mentions her compass is like going crazy and she doesn't understand why so crocus has to explain the log pose system and the way it works is basically when you enter the Grand Line, again, one piece logic mm -hmm. that doesn't make a ton of sense. But if you just run with it, it's mm -hmm. like whatever. The idea is that 
the Grand Line is full of all of these islands that are like dense in magnetic minerals and stuff. So they throw off compasses. The log pose, the way it works is basically you set a course when you enter the Grand Line and there's like multiple lanes with like different paths of islands that take you to the other side. And once you pick a lane, the log pose will like direct you to the next island. And it's a whole thing where when you get to the island, you then have to reset the log pose while you're there. So then it points you to the next island. And that's how you go from one spot to the next, because the Grand Line is supposed to be like very unpredictable, um, very difficult to navigate. So thank God they have Nami <laughs> along for the ride. And that's kind of, that is the the logic behind this. Of course, not long after we're introduced to this, like I think it's uh, Luffy and Sanji are like horsing around. I don't even remember why they're fighting. It just seems like <laughs> this is just a normal straw hat thing, but they're like goofing off and they wind up breaking the log pose, of course. And thankfully, Crocus is just like, well, you can have mine. It's fine. <laughs> so he's he gives them his log pose. So at this point, these mystery figures show up, hat in hand, kind of pleading with them to take them back to their home at Whiskey Peak. It's never really made clear how they got here, but it seems they don't really have a ship or anything. Seem very unprepared. <laughs> but they're like on their hands and knees begging them to take them there, which is funny because right away, you don't really trust them that much. And I think you even get a little internal monologue where they're like, oh, these suckers, like we got them. <laughs> but there's a funny moment where Nami's like, Oh, I'm so sorry. That was your log pose. We broke that. And they right away like show their true colors and get like really angry before Nami's like, oh, by the way, we have another log pose. You know, it's just like this very clever little trick where they, they show their true selves. Mm -hmm. Another translation thing here that's so funny to me is Mr. Nine in his head straight up calls Nami a bitch. He's like, oh, this bitch tricked us. <laughs> I was like, whoa, dude. Like, yeah. Okay. Like, And that was not in the manga. So it's weird. Those kind of choices, you know, for the cartoon. That, but, I'm sorry. That doesn't make <laughs> yeah. any sense at all, especially if it's not yes. in the manga. So what? <laughs> Listen, I should mention that our log pose was broken and we don't have another one. So still want to ride with us? What? You broke it? That was mine. Those aren't cheap, you know? You're stuck here too? How long were you going to make us back before you bothered to tell us? Oh, sorry. I forgot. Crocus gave us his log pose, so... <laughs> <laughs> Please have pity on us. That lousy bitch, she tricked us. It's funny, because remember during Orange Town when Nami, like, uses her body to get out of a jam? And there's, like, weird things like this they put in the anime that's like, who was the audience for this? I don't know. I don't understand. I mean, definitely not children. <laughs> yeah. And I guess this is good a time as any, because we kind of skipped over this. We got to talk about Nami's character design. Okay. It's starting in reverse now. Are we doing now. this now? We should, we should set this up. I mean, listen, we're almost done with these episodes. Very short arc. <laughs> but this is when we start to see uh, some changes in her character design. She suddenly has titties. Yeah, she does. Uh, that's the change. <laughs> well, I think like her waist gets smaller and her chest gets bigger. Yeah. I mean, before she was just... Uh, small chested and yeah just a yeah. small frame <laughs> um yeah i think we might be seeing a little bit of like oda's proclivities and <laughs> his interest coming through here i think this is something that people definitely talk about because it 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 
this isn't the end of this. Like it continues to change throughout the series, but no, I just I this think is it's just funny. the beginning. <laughs> yeah, just to be the beginning. But it's funny. I mean, what did you think about that when you were watching? Oh, well, I remember being a little caught off guard. Like, wait, is it because she's in a different top? What is? <laughs> yeah. Why is that like that? And I'm like, I assume it's just artistic choice is it like that in the manga too does it yeah pr- it definitely. progresses like that in the it, manga it's a as funny well? it's funny that they managed to adapt this perfectly <laughs> the changes in her character design but come on now like <laughs> how, what are you who are you gonna blame you i know? don't know maybe sanji's feeding her good and it's all going to her boots. there we go yes <laughs> but back on track crocus of course is like immediately just telling them you should not trust these guys and i think the audience too were kind of like yeah do not trust these people and luffy meanwhile is like okay (laughs) like just doesn't care at all this is something that stood out to me because it's easy to see luffy is just being like very carefree and just doesn't care or whatever but to me it feels like well for one thing luffy he doesn't have any reason to be afraid of or worried about this people we've seen what he's been through um, I'm sure he knows that if they try to do something, like, it's not going to be a problem. He's just going to deal with it, you know? That's <clears throat> my thoughts on this, too, is, like, what would Luffy have to be scared of? I mean, like, yeah. he just took on a huge whale. And before that, you know, like a sea cow, like these really big enemies. What are yeah. these two people going to do that he can't handle? He believes in himself and his crew enough that it's not really a danger. Um, but it also shows how... Luffy, he cares more than anything about adventure, you know, and this is something like as a viewer, we might see this as like a dangerous choice. But to Luffy, it's probably like, hell yeah, like, let's (laughs) see where this goes, you know. But it is it's interesting to think about that by committing to going to Whiskey Peak where these people want to go, he is setting their path on the Grand Line like right away based on really nothing. And it's interesting to think how things could have been different. You know, if he had chosen a different path, but because of this like random sequence of events, this is what sets their journey uh, in, in motion. So just like that, without a second thought, they're ready to go. And I mean, that's really that is the end of this arc is them fixing the ship up, saying goodbye to Crocus and Laboon and taking these two figures who definitely do not have good intentions. We see at this point. Um, so they're probably heading for an ambush at Whiskey Peak, but that's where we begin our Grand Line journey. And the the final detail is as they're leaving, we get this cryptic scene where Crocus is looking after them and he's kind of remarking, like Luffy seemed to have made a real impact on him. Like he sees something special about Luffy and right away he references Roger and I can't remember the exact line, but he's kind of like, you know, what would you think about these guys, Roger? And so we we get an idea that Crocus knew Roger at some point, which is another thing I think is a interesting part of One Piece is when you find these mystery older characters, um, you start to build this this history with old Roger and his crew and the adventures that they must have gone on that. We might be kind of following in his footsteps and running into people that old Roger also ran into. And it gives them an opportunity to, to recognize something in Luffy that's like very similar. Because we already got like some hints of that in the past. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that's it for the story. 
I guess, um, you know, this, this arc's very short. It's just them really entering the Grand Line. It's kind of setting up where things are going in this saga. We get a little extra exposition about the Grand Line, the log pose, the comm belt, like how all that stuff works. Uh, again, even if it doesn't make a ton of logical sense, it's like, it doesn't matter. It, it's cool. It, it sets up like rules that we can follow, you know, going forward. You just can't think about it too hard. The one thing I did want to mention that I thought was funny is once again, once Crocus reveals that, uh, I don't think we talked about this. He, he mentions that he was a doctor in the past, which is it explains why he's able to care for Laboon, that maybe there was something in him that was compassionate about um, you know, what he went through. And so he constructs all this stuff in there just to help him to care for a whale that's as big as an island. But when Luffy finds out about this, Luffy is just immediately like, oh, okay, join our crew. Because <laughs> you know? I think he's, he's kind of busy. <laughs> yeah. But he, it made me think about, you know, obviously Luffy is warming up to the idea that maybe they need a doctor, you know? And Luffy's very attracted to these like oddball characters. <laughs> but you have to wonder what it would be like if you're an old man sailing with all these young, like yeah. people full of energy and adventure. <laughs> like it would probably be fucking exhausting. <laughs> I also think this is the first time it's mentioned that at the end of the Grand Line is a place called Raftel, um, which they think is like where the One Piece is held. So it just gives you a little bit of foreshadowing to set up this whole journey yeah coming away from this i mean we do learn that these these characters obviously they're like code names the mr nine the miss wednesday stuff they mentioned they're a part of some mystery organization i don't know if at this point you had any idea what this was about or what they their goals might be or anything i mean it's very cryptic no, the first time through, I I don't think I was really paying attention okay. to that. To honestly, I don't, <laughs> yeah. I I really don't think I was. Plus, I was probably sobbing over Laboon yeah. most of the time. That's pretty distracting. <laughs> I can understand that. But this definitely, this is kind of foreshadowing where we're going in this saga. I will say, like, without spoiling where things are going, you know, as I said, we're given a lot of exposition here, but it's as one of the things that One Piece does really well with its storytelling is we are immediately introduced to all these ideas that are definitely foreshadowing and setting up the saga that's to come. And the early One Piece storytelling that I enjoy so much is we have these little arcs that are definitely building toward something bigger. Um, we already know this is called the Arabasta saga, so that's where we're heading, Arabasta is basically the Arlong Park of this saga, but we're gonna explore a little, go on some adventures while we get there. And uh, I'm very excited, because this is honestly, I don't know if this is like an unpopular opinion or not, but Arabasta is one of my favorite arcs in the series. I know I just said that about Arlong <laughs> Park, but I don't know, I think it's a combination, something about these early arcs, there's just a vibe to them that works really well for me, and it feels like, very grounded even though it is very fantastical and weird there's just something to the fact that they're just starting on this journey and even though they're all very strong you can see that they have a lot of room to grow and i think we see a lot of that during the saga because even though they've 
gotten their first bounty. They're starting to make a name for themselves. They're still pretty unknown. And on the grand line itself, like they kind of grew too big for the East Blue. That's a way to look at it. And the grand line is like the next big adventure, but they are totally new to this place. And I think we're going to quickly see that as strong as they are, you know, they were like the strongest pirates in the East Blue. They are still like small fish in the grand line itself. And I don't know, to me, that that just feels like very exciting. And it makes me really anxious to keep going and see this whole adventure unfold. And Arabasta, it is that first big step that just, I think everything about the saga is like very effective. But we'll have plenty of time to talk about that as we go. I don't know if uh, you had any final thoughts about the story before we just wrap things up. I, I think I've expressed how sad Laboon's story is, but I yeah. I love Laboon. And I'm excited to see more Laboon, if there is more Laboon. Yeah, it's like top 10 sad anime stories <laughs> uh, for you. I think it's up there. I mean, we already got Nami's whole backstory, and even Sanji's is very tragic. And now Laboon, it's like they just want to keep... Zoro, too. <laughs> That's true. We just keep getting beat over the head with this yeah. stuff, which is, again, another thing One Piece does so well because it is so silly and fun. But when they want to make you cry, it's like, <laughs> they're like, fuck you. I'm going to make you cry. <laughs> but yeah, short arc. I think this might be the shortest arc in the entire series, which works. So why don't we just get into our final thoughts? So I've been doing a lot of talking. I don't know what... uh what are your thoughts like now that we're getting started on the Grand Line? I don't know if you had any kind of expectations or like hopes for where the story goes from here. Yeah. At this point, I would I would say in a lot of TV shows or stories and stuff, when they introduce new characters, it's almost like mentally exhausting. It's like, okay, oh, yeah. now I got to prepare myself for this. But in One Piece, I'm like so excited yeah. to see a new crew member because it seems to be a pattern at this point so it's like okay they gotta pick somebody else up and they need a doctor so who is it gonna be and i can't wait to see who it is yeah i mean that is that is definitely a big part of one piece is they are constantly adding to their crew so you're constantly wondering like is this gonna be <laughs> yeah. the next person <laughs> you know so we have plenty of that to look forward to again it's it's just i've had people ask me like what is it about one piece that's so great and it's hard to kind of put it into words because there's not like something specific. There's not like a tagline for the story that really sells it. It's just the sense of adventure. You know, it's it's the characters and the storytelling. They're just so well done. Like they're on this whole different level. And yeah, for me, it is that that sense of adventure, not knowing like what's coming up next and now that we're on the grand line it feels like it's almost like something was unlocked and now the storytelling potential is like so much greater because i'll say you know i'm trying not to spoil anything that's coming up ahead so that if people are going through this for the first time it can be just like a companion you know mm -hmm. i'll say in the east blue one of my complaints if you want to call it that about a lot of the arcs is that the islands they stop on tend to be very samey. It's just like, oh, here's a small village on this random island. You know what I mean? 
I think that's done deliberately, though, where the East Blue is seen as like a more quote unquote like normal ocean where like normal people are living. <clears throat> and the Grand Line is somewhere that's so much more dangerous and strange. And we haven't really gotten a look at that yet. But that is setting up where things are going from here on out. The locations get much wilder, much more interesting with a lot more personality. And I'm very excited to see all that stuff animated. Yeah, I would say that's it's got to be intentional. Like, yeah, I, I really I think what Oda is so good at is his intentions, because I think I've mentioned this in the past before, but like everything has a backstory. Yeah, everything has some sort of lore to it. And I don't know, I think that that would be one major thing that does make One Piece so good is storytelling like nothing else. Yep, and I think, uh, what else more is there to say? I think that's a good place to wrap things up. Yeah. So we have one final thing that we have to do, which is rank the arc. Okay. Let's have a, let's have a separate ranking for each saga, but then I also want to have just one massive list of every arc. So if we're going to include this with the arcs from the East Blue Saga, where do you think you'd put it in this list? I mean, it's very short, but we do get that killer backstory with Laboon. Um, so, I mean, starting at the bottom, do you think it's better than Seer Village? Yes. How about Romance Dawn? See, that's where I don't know. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I feel like it. if I could tie them together, I would tie them. But yeah. I have to put it under Romance Dawn. And it's not okay. even that I don't like it. It's like, I don't know where to put it. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's a short one. Yeah. It's not a ton that happens here, but the Laboon story definitely elevates it quite a bit. Yeah. So if we put it there, we're not going to be able to keep reading this every time because eventually it's going to be like 50 <laughs> things. But just as a reminder, since we're starting this new saga, we have Arlong Park ranked at number one. Uh, Barati is number two. Logtown is number three. Orangetown is number four. Romance Dawn is number five. Reverse Mountain is now number six. And then Seer Village, poor Seer Village, number seven. <laughs> Listen, they're all winners, okay? <laughs> Just some win more than others. Yeah, I if I could, I, I would put it, it higher just because I love Laboon so much, but yeah. I just, I can't do Romance Dawn like that. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that does it for this week. Uh, in the next episode, we are going to be turning up at Whiskey Peak to see exactly what's going on there. And uh, that covers episodes 64 through 67 of the anime and chapters 106 through 114 of the manga. Another short one, but there is uh, there's some fun stuff that happens in that arc. So we'll get to that next time. In the meantime, do you want to plug the socials? Yeah. We are Straw Hat Social Club everywhere. You can also email us if you have uh, something you'd want us to review on Side Piece, which would be like an anime movie, hopefully, or a very, very short series. Yep. Uh, yeah. That's and it. you can email us at strawhatsocialclub at gmail.com. So that about does it. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, we're excited to keep going with the Arabasta saga see where things go we did um just post our first like short from uh the podcast yeah 
which is uh it's fun yeah it's it's funny because there's there's the meme about people posting shorts of like fake podcasts you know <laughs> yeah this one's real i promise <laughs> it's from the log town episode <laughs> but yeah so check us out on all the social media give us a follow and everything we appreciate everybody who's listening yes but you can catch us next week for another episode so i'm todd i'm becca and this has been straw hat social club so thank you for listening and catch us next week <laughs>